Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, and as always, I'm joined by my host, Sebastian Dennison. Seb, how in the heck are you? Oh, man, it's been it's been a wild ride the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? It's always a wild ride. I think this is what we've <laughs> we've grown accustomed to to living with. But um, <laughs> it's it's been awesome. It's always awesome. You know, we're already close to our mid year point, and you know, we're we're so heavily focused on looking at business growth. We've been so heavily focused on s- discussing some of our members who, you know. You've heard it from some of the other prior episodes about boosting your business, taking your business to the next level, and what that's all about. And then, you know, the perfect individual came to mind, and who we've obviously eventually asked to join us on the podcast today. And I'm so excited that we are joined by none other than Darren Berlin from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Darren, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Darren, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, you know, you and I have known each other for about 11 years. Um, I was very, very fortunate that I had the ability to present you with the Compounding Pharmacist of the Year Award a few years ago. Um, you know, I know it meant a lot to you. You have such an incredible journey, and I think that's the reason why we wanted to have you on today. So, you know, before we even get started in talking about, you know, how your business evolved and how you re- had the ability to replicate success, uh, not only from a business point of view, but truly with patient care and you know how you implemented compounding and all of that. Uh, I think for the sake of our listeners, always great to hear about you know what your journey was like um, throughout pharmacy and, and how Dispensaries Limited truly came to be and, and what that represents not only in the Edmonton community, but also the importance within the province of Alberta and what you mean to Canadian compounding pharmacy as well. So maybe for the sake of our listeners, talk about, you know, how you came about to owning Dispensaries Limited and and what the journey was truly like. And we'll talk about how you got involved with PCCA. Sure, sounds good. It's uh, it's sort of an interesting journey. I When I graduated, I graduated 82, so I've been doing this 40 years now. Um, and back even back when I graduated, I... I was more focused on patient care. I was more focused on um, independence. I didn't belong. Didn't believe in chains. You know, at that time, Shoppers Drug Mart was just starting up. That was before all of the grocery stores and big boxes showed up. But even then, I didn't have a desire to be part of that 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 whole um, evolution. So I've always been there. So I started in small town, rural Alberta. I worked there for a few years. Then I came back to Edmonton. I joined dispensaries, I think in 1987. Uh, the company's been around since 1934. Uh, you know, just a small little independence. Uh, we work in medical professional buildings. Um, and that's, that's, our, that's our niche. We're just medical professionals. Um, so I joined them. Uh, like I said, I've been six owners since with this company over the last 85 or eight, whatever years. Um, and I'm the most recent sort of majority shareholder now. I bought in um, in 1998. Um, I think we joined PCCA about three, four years ago. My, uh, the owners at that time, it was my vision. They believed in me. They gave me enough rope to either succeed or hang myself. I seem to have succeeded because we're still here. Um, you know, the owner there, one of them retired in 98. That's when I took over. And then Mike Stanley and I were partners for 
probably about 10 years until he finally retired and then I took over the sort of the, the lead role of the company. So that's, that's where we are. We've been sort of um, just a small, you know, five, six little independent stores, not, not a lot of staff, um, and moved on from there kind of thing. So Darren, what brought you to compounding? Like what was it that kind of twigged your interest in the early 90s that kind of made you go, this is going to fit into the dispensary model and, and this is going to fit into my patient care, my independence. That's, it's interesting because, okay, so I started actually, it started when I was actually in Fort McLeod. So in my rural, in my, when I was in my rural part of that, my journey, there was some, like I live in a small little town. And so all the, all the prescriptions from sort of Lethbridge, the bigger city around there come, came into me. And because I was the young guy, the older old owner said, well, you're doing the compounding. So that's when I started. I was the only guy. Then when I moved to Edmonton, we happened to work under um, a bunch of uh, dermatologists. But it started with dermatology and then <laughs> goes back, that's how far back, then came out the whole diclofenac and PLO and what was going on with that. And I remember when that started and it was like, man, oh man. And it was, it was a dog's breakfast out there and nobody was doing anything right. And I said, well, this isn't good. We, you know, we were, we were, and us ourselves included, I, I still work at the university and I teach compounding at the university. And I still say everything I tell them at the university, um, is because I've learned it from my own mistakes. Like you don't, you don't get through all of this without making some errors. So we made errors in the first stages of PLO kind of thing. And then after that, after we evolved out of the, you know, sort of with the PLO and saying, we just don't know enough. I think that's when we said, well, let's join PCCA. And that's, that was sort of the, the start of all of that. And I've been with PCCA and, you know, gone to numerous, I've grown up, I guess, with PCCA. Cause when we started, it was just, uh, even PCCA was just a small little company. Um, and we would go to the internationals and there weren't very, you know, there were small auditoriums and, I learned a lot at those early in those early sessions that I still apply today. Um, so I always recommend, like I still go to as many uh, many of the internationals as I can. Looking forward to being back in them live this year. Hopefully we can get to them without any other disruptions. So it's been an ongoing growth. Um, I, I, I'm a big believer in uh, you know lifelong learning. So I continue to try to keep learning and I keep trying to improve and. I still just need to find more time so I can get, you know, our advanced in Alberta, we can do prescribing. So I still have to get that. That's on my next on my list. And then I want to get my functional medicine degree. So those are, those are sort of what I'm looking for in the future. And I sort of believe in all of the sort of continually looking forward and not looking backwards. So that's what's coming up. And like I say, PCCA has been, you know, and you yourself, Seb, I've talked to you a lot, um, you know, where we, where we where we're going with different things like LDN and you know so I'm doing a lot of learning on that right now so it, it's, it's it's a growing process it never stops. You know, Darren, um, I, I kind of put myself in your shoes for one sec, but there's no way I can ever be able to truly understand it. Um, so I'm very curious. What you mentioned that there was so many ownership changes. You know, a company that was 85 years old, um, obviously a lot younger when you you first took over. What did it mean to you? Um, to buy an existing business that had that history behind it as well. It was something to be proud of. You know, you think back that a company, you know, I listen to, I, I belong to different, uh, you know, business clubs and stuff like that. And, you know, people to advertise, you know, talk about, oh, you know, we're 35 years old or 50 years old and everyone applauds and, you know, we're approaching 90 years in business. And it's like, 
and you look and my, my wife's pretty good. She tries to keep sort of the history of all the buildings that we've been in, you know, buildings have come and gone. Some have been, just, been torn down even that we've had stores in, you know, and we've been, you know, we've had like any business, you things go positive. Sometimes you get sort of uh, undercut by your competitors or something goes south. Um, but I think that the key for us has always been we take the high road. You know, we've changed our business model quite a bit over the last sort of five, six years since I've taken over where we really focus a lot on our compounding because uh, the rest of the farm, you know, the re regular allopathic system isn't, isn't that sort of uh, profitable kind of thing comparatively speaking, right? So it's become a niche and we've been, you know, we were one of the first into the market and we want to continually keep being sort of the leaders. And that's, I think, I think that's what I think probably I'm most proud of is I believe we're one of the leaders um, in not just Alberta, probably in Canada, I would hope, in what we're doing in compounding. So I'd like to try to keep us right on the top of, you know, keep climbing that mountain to try to be at the top. You know, I, I think we're going we're gonna to come back to that. Obviously, you know, the business plan that you've put forth in the last five, six years, um, you know, the replication of success once again, the dedication to quality, I definitely want to come back to that. But when you, when you took over, um, and obviously you mentioned your great wife, wife, Kathy. She's an amazing human being for those that, that are not familiar with her. I know she's the yin to your yang and uh, keeps everything in check because Kathy's amazing. Uh, you mentioned her attention to historical references and you know the, the locations that came through dispensaries and, and the chain that you've amassed. At what point, how many stores did you have? Because uh, I think that's also very important because your model has shifted. But it wasn't just one independent community pharmacy that's been there for close to 90 years. No, no, we've had, like I say, we, we, our model has always been we work in doctor's offices. So we don't have big front stores. We have small square footage. We're, you know, we're a small space. Um, and then when we started doing compounding, space had to grow. And especially as the rules kept changing, you know, when I first started compounding, there was no, no hoods. We weren't working in, you know, powder hoods or anything like that. You know, it was all on the counter and pretty soon you got hoods and, you know, pretty soon we got sterile rooms and, you know, even the evolution of the sterile room is, has, has grown over the last five, six years, right? With, with in Canada, the NAPRA guidelines and, you know, with USP, you know, 795 and stuff in the States. So, you know, we've, we've continued. So our spaces have gotten bigger. Um, and I think we sort of more focusing on, we started focusing a lot more on compounding and, you know, you don't, you don't you know, get to be, you know, in the States, I think it's a little different. In Canada, the doctors are busy. There, there's no relationship, direct relationship with, with, uh, with physicians here like they have in the States. So it's sort of like one compound at a time and you grow your business slowly and you just sort of keep your, you know, nose, nose to the grindstone and you just slowly but surely build up and pretty soon you're getting busy. And then I got lucky and I'll admit it, you know, and I think part of that luck comes from, um, our attention to detail, the quality that we try to put into it, and our belief in doing the right thing is in that everything that we do, we don't cut corners. And I met a physician, and you guys know him, it's Dr. Ron Brown. Um, he was an OBG. Um, his story itself is interesting. His, he was an OBG beside us, um, you know, and he came in and just asked me because he knew I compounded. He said, Can you do bioidentical hormones? And we started. And, you know, Working with him has been a like a great experience. I always think, always 
always surround yourself with people smarter than yourself. So I've been lucky. I, you know, I've got Sebastian, I've got Ron, I've got you, guys who I know have great knowledge in different areas that can definitely, I can learn from um, kind of thing. So I've been lucky to, to have Dr. Brown work with us. And I think how I presented it to him is that, you know, when you, he was learning bioidenticals himself, is that there's a lot going on with that. And what you need to remove something from the equation and the equation, one thing you can remove from the equation is the product. If we create the best product possible, and if your patient's not getting response, it's not product related. It's there's something else going on. So he bought it. He believed in that. Um, we went forward with that and um, he continues to send the majority of his prescriptions our way. So I was lucky to have a sudden burst in in the bioidenticals and then all of a sudden we were very, very, very large in bioidenticals. And to this day, we still continue to, to promote our quality and our bioidenticals. And we don't skimp anywhere with, with any of the products there so that we can continue to provide, you know, provide the products that he's, he, he expects. And he came, he's told me point blank, anytime he's had patient issues that aren't, aren't responding, when he finds out which, that they're not, they're, which pharmacy they're going to and they're not coming to us, he immediately tries to switch them over to us just so that he can, you know, take that out of the equation kind of thing. How often is that replicated? You know, you mentioned his significance, not only in your learning, but also as a prescriber to the pharmacy and the amount of patients that you manage. Um, how does that roll over with other physicians that you do business with? Because it sounds like you have this attention to quality. It's, it's a staple in your business. Um, I know right before we started recording, you were talking about your core values, which I'm going to also come back to, and we'll talk about that as your recent business plan. But what does quality mean not only to him as a prescriber, but some of the other prescribers and, and your growth as well? What did it mean to the growth uh, across so many different other segments? Well, it's, it's, so it's interesting because, okay, so I think Dr. Brown was one of the first to really start into the bioidenticals and open up his, his clinic, True Balance, and other other um, physicians started looking at his model and they started growing. And so we introduced ourselves to them and we continue. I think we work, geez, I would think with probably, say if there's 10 serious prescribers in uh, BHRT in Edmonton, we're probably supplying the majority for eight of them anyway, kind of thing, you know, and I, I that is sort of where we've really taken off with our BHRT and from there everything else has sort of fallen into place but you know it's we do a lot with a lot of physicians and it's not just BHRT um, so after BHRT was big and we started I started working with some nurse practitioners and um, out of nowhere they started saying well what do you know about LDN and so I said well I know a little bit and I started reading I read the both books put out by the uh, um, LDN trust you know, I read those and I started attending all of your guys' seminars. So together, we're sort of learning, the nurse practitioner and myself are learning together. And I said I would do case studies on all her patients and she sends every one of her LDN patients to me. So I can do sort of a mini case study on it to see what we're doing. And I, I've learned a lot just doing that, just following. And then um, I know Sebastian just recently did another um, thing on labs, another seminar on labs and... Uh, and how to, how to use that with LDN. Um, so I've listened to that and I was following labs already with that, especially with Hashimoto's patients. And so we've been doing these case studies and together we've learned a lot and especially when it comes to dosing. So it's one of those things we continue to 
to evolve, you just, you sort of can't rest your laurels on one thing. You have to evolve into all aspects. Like we do pain creams and I've done every, a lot of seminars with you guys on pain cream. So we we're trying to, again, with the both, um, the nurse practitioners that I work with, and now I've got some naturopaths that are calling me up on pain creams. And our next area is to start talking to physiotherapists. Um, again, because pharmacists can prescribe in Alberta. Um, if a physiotherapist wants, we have a memorandum of understanding with physiotherapists. They can send their patients to us, and then we can prescribe the, uh, the pain cream. So those are areas that we continue, you know, HRT, pain, LDN, um, are, big, are big three. But after that, you know, we do, you know, all the suspensions for pediatrics. You know, it's just, you sort of build a name over time with physicians that people, and then the way the business model has changed in Alberta with everybody sort of almost going to central fill, um, all the pharmacies that don't have central fill send a lot of their patients directly to us. They don't even, they can buy it from us, but they're sending their patients. We get a lot of patients that just come over. We, they can't fill it at this pharmacy, so they sent me over to you. So, you know, you built a relationship over years. It's not something that you can sort of uh, do over in short term. So to us, what we've always done is maintain that, you know, the highest quality so that when they send somebody to us, and we don't try to poach their, their whole pay. You know, when the patient shows up, we don't, we want their compound. We're not out there to sort of say, oh, send your compound to us, and oh, by the way, we're going to steal your patient also. That's not our, not what our plan. Our plan is to take the compound, do the best for their patient. And that's as far as we go. Cause I know some of my patients who've gone to different pharmacies for their get the flu shot. And before they're done, they're trying to get the transfer all their prescriptions over kind of thing. So that's, that's not what we do. We want, we want the compound and we want relationships with, with the other, the other pharmacies also. And I am just going to jump in. Alberta has very distinct legislation available in their province that they are allowed to do a central fill type model, but there are specific requirements for all those pharmacies that are engaged in that practice to fulfill and be registered with their respective college. So it's not just like, oh, willy nilly and everyone can pick it up in Canada. It's, it's a distinct Alberta model. But again, it talks about the strength of your program that you're, you're able to have those relationships and you've got the, this sort of level of uh, oversight that's even a little bit greater than just even your average community pharmacy. And that kind of leads into some of the changes that you made at your store. Like you, you did take a proactive response to this NAPRA upcoming or the NAPRA legislation and you built out much earlier than many in the province. Yeah, we were actually leading on that. Again, I, I consider it to be a little bit lucky. We, you know, we had at the time, I think we had five stores. We were compounding in all of them. Um, and we said to ourselves, well, this is crazy. You know, we got chemicals and all these stores and some are expiring. And, you know, it just didn't seem that efficient. And at the same time, um, Napa was just starting to talk about, you know, getting their stuff together with all of this. So we said, we sort of, that's almost the time when I took over. It was sort of my vision to have sort of a central... And it was just for our stores. It wasn't meant for anything else. It was actually just meant for our stores that we could just do it all at one store. So we were working on that um, right from the beginning, you know, probably two years before NAPRA guidelines even came out. So when NAPRA guidelines came out, we were already there. So we built a facility sort of just for ourselves to make sure we meant that quality. Um, you know, and then our provinces, like I say, our provinces ahead of, I think, all the other provinces in Canada, um, they've also 
Fed, same thing. They sent out a thing saying, well, you need to have a dealer's license. If you're going to sell compounds that are, have narcotic or controlled drugs in them, you need to have a Health Canada regulation. So we applied for that. We were the first to get it in Canada. And it was like, oh, then the government, our province, our college said, well, if you don't have it, you can't sell. And we were the only one who had it at the time. And all of a sudden, everybody's calling us, how do you get it and do all of these things? And it's like, holy man, um, we're ahead of the game on this one again. And we were lucky. It just, it took us, I think, 11 months before, because Health Canada, our college said they wanted it. We had to go through Health Canada, but Health Canada themselves weren't really ready for what we what they were even asking. So, and it's evolved since then. When we were when we started, I think we just had to record our anything that we bulked up, like DHEA and uh, testosterone. Now we've got all I think on our narcotic license. There we have all the narcotics that we work with, um, kind of thing. So you know, it's 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 being proactive, not cutting corners. Always trying to sort of say, okay, if this is if this is the best way to do it, do it that way. Sure, it may cost a little more. But at the end, it's paid off dividends many times over for us, sort of to be sure we're not sort of cutting the corners. So, you know, on that note, Darren, um, you mentioned the prioritization of, co- of quality. Um, you said, you know, things potentially can cost a bit more. This is probably part of a, of a strategy that's focusing on mitigating risks, your credibility, uh, not only with your prescribers, but with the patients, because fundamentally the the patient outcomes are obviously the most important thing. So where was that layered into the corporate strategy of, you know, we're going to invest in higher quality items. We're going to be using higher quality ingredients for the best desirable outcome. Where was there a conversation around that between either yourself or with your partners and, you know, some of your your, your key executives whereas everyone had alignment and saw the importance around that. Yeah, so I've always been a believer in quality. So that, that hasn't, that's always been my own um, personal belief. And I think a few things sort of stepped up to sort of, you know, I saw, I, I think I listened to a podcast on the generic industry and what was happening with the generic industry years ago in India and stuff like that. And I thought, holy man, you think everything, you start to believe that, everything is equal. You know, APIs are equal. You buy a generic, it's equal, you know, and then, then you start seeing that, you know what, it isn't that way. Um, and that, I think that probably hit me about five, six years ago. That was the same time I took on another partner. Um, cause I was by myself. I took on a partner, Mark, um, and Mark and I sort of said, well, you know, we're, we've been sort of running as a mom and pop company and it's time that we sort of started you know, we've reached sort of a plateau and how do you break through that and how do you keep, keep looking to move forward and, you know, so we, we, we did some research, we joined, um, uh, got some sort of uh, consultations with a group called EOS, which is Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, they helped guide us through all of this. We went through this and we started working towards breaking through, you know, breaking through the roof so that we can continue to grow. Cause we hit a, you know, you always hit a plateau and it's, do you stay at that plateau or do you continue to try to grow? So we continued to, you know, we started doing that. So we set our core values. So we set our core values and quality was right in there, right? So um, our number one is passion. Two is to do the right thing. Three is to be humbly confident. Four is quality and five is enjoy the ride. And so we believe in all of those. And I think that we try to epitomize those with everything that we do, like if you're not having fun at work, um, you shouldn't be doing it, right? And you know, 
the quality is an automatic. You know how many times I've watched the PCCA standard? I think I play that for every new person, every company that we take on to show that this is what we want to do is the PCCA standard. You know, you guys did such a good video on that. It's such a good tool for us. So we make all our staff watch the video because that is what we're trying to achieve in our company is that kind of standard, that belief, that, that driving point to be as good as that. We consider, again, try to always emulate companies that do things well. And I've done courses on that and they talk about Disney and they talk about Hilton. Well, I put PCCA in that, uh, that same category as a company that um, strives to be the best. And when you go see their facility and you see, you know, the quality that they, and the care that they take to make sure that the APIs are the best. Yeah, we had, to, we had a time where we had to get a, a chemical for one of our ophthalmologists that we make eye drops up for, and it wasn't available at the time through PCCA. So we got it from one of the competitors. We made the eye drops up, sent it to the clinic. The clinic called me up and said, what's going on? It's burning. There's some swelling in the retina. And I said, I don't know. So I went back and actually made it up myself to be sure that the process was done right, sent it to them again. And again, they said, no, it's burning. It's not, not doing what it was. So I ended up calling Houston and try ordering directly from Houston, which um, isn't as easy as it sounds when you're in the US and Canada, it's a little bit more comprehensive. We got the product, remade it, and it told me right then and there, there is a difference in APIs. You need to have the best APIs if you're gonna get the best results. And from that day forward, we committed even, we were already using a lot, almost all of PCCA's um, APIs. But from that point on, the only APIs we don't use for that are PCCA are the ones that we can't get through PCCA. So um, pretty much everything we do now, just so we can be sure that the products that we're using are the best products so that we have the best results. How, how much attention do you also put um, at the patient level? Like, is there a patient follow-up program to make sure that, you know, everything is going the way that it's supposed to and, and patients are achieving, achieving the right desirable outcomes? Are you also focusing on... Um, not necessarily a, 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 another follow-up program, but are you working together with the doctors to make sure that, you know, that they see the benefit as to why they potentially might be paying a bit more? Um, obviously, the pharmacy market is also price competitive, but, you know, how do you always stand ahead while using a quality product by purchasing a quality product and then delivering a quality product? So how does this all fit into your business strategy as well? Okay, so our patients are still number one. That is who we're working for. Um, we work, you know, we need the physicians to write the prescriptions, but we are working for our patients. And I think that goes to our same thing, because, you know, when you build a, like I say, we've got 54 employees somewhere in that range. Um, and HR is always the biggest headache. And we don't have a lot of staff turnover. And I think is because we create an environment for our pharmacists. Um, so they have time to spend with the patients. So they're never, they're never, um, in a hurry, you know, they have time, you know, when we start any new HRT patients, it's a minimum of 25 to 30 minute um, consultation with them to be sure they understand what they're doing, how to do it, so we can achieve the best results. And the physicians know that, that's why they send them to us so that, and we, we know what the physicians, um, what, their, what their sort of plans are also, so we don't want to contradict anything that they're saying. Um, and we are doing, like I said, I started the first follow-up with all my LDN patients and it is a process that we're working on is to get a better follow-up program, um, especially stuff like pain creams and uh, we do a lot with our HRT automatically because we see it, we, they have to refill every three months so we're talking to them on a constant basis. 
Um, but the pain creams and that. I, I might know a guy who can help you with that, Darren. But yeah, keep going. Oh, you know, LDN has been the big one that I do. I personally do still. Um, it's probably the only thing I still do clinically at the stores. Um, but I, you know, it's 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 been really enlightening for me and really sort of sparked me to keep working hard because I, the patient response has been absolutely incredible. You know, when you call them up, they're just really appreciative that you care enough to follow up with them kind of things. So. And I think that your, your biggest power, and, and I'm going to go back to it, is that relationship development, not just with your providers, but with your patients, with other pharmacists, with other uh, members of the healthcare profession within the community. And I think that it, it really shows through because through your whole story, you keep talking about these different positive relationships and how you've really emphasized those relationships as being one of the key pieces to your success. So that's that's one of my biggest takeaways that I've just heard from this entire arc is it's the people you surround yourself with and the people that you service. And it's very positive. It's very, very interesting because a lot of people miss that as part of their uh, practice development is, is really that emphasis on quality and relationships. So I guess it's quality relationships as well. Yeah, thanks, Sebastian. Yeah, you know, it's it's been interesting because number one, again, that's something picked up from PCCA was with our competitors is not to look at them as competitors, look at them as almost as partners, even though we don't market and we don't, we compete against each other. We don't ever bad mouth. We don't try to steal from, you know, steal from them. And that was a PCCA thing is to sort of, you know, there's plenty of compounds out there. If everybody works to grow their business, it, it spills over for everybody. And it's a positive for everything. If everybody, if the people you're, you know, you compete with produce quality products and are, you know, follow a similar value system, then you end up with a lot more physicians writing because it's, it works and things work. And when things work, they get reproduced kind of thing. So yeah, no relationships is, is thing. And that's the problem when you've been in this 40 years relationships, I, a lot of physicians now are retiring that I have all my relationships with. So I'm trying to rebuild with younger physicians, which is a little bit harder now than it was 40 years or 30 years ago, um, because the internet and everything's virtual and, you know, it's not the same as when we used to, you know, meet face to face and, you know, we're still trying to do that. And, you know, you try people, you try to, you're only, you can only spread yourself so thin also. Right. So it's, it's not quite as good as it was, but I'm, that's sort of my core focus with running the company now is is mostly with relationships that I'm building. So, you know, Darren, hearing everything that you shared, the journey, forty years in pharmacy, you know, what led you to buy the store, um, and more importantly, some of the shifts that you made in strategy, and then you know your focus on on truly desirable patient outcomes, and your focus on quality and commitment to your core values. You, you said you're not done. You still you have a lot of work left to do, um, which I find incredibly commendable because you're in a position that you've created such an, a successful practice and um, you've taken it to the next level. What's really next for you guys? You have a commitment to a pretty significant business strategy and you know, you, you've built up a team of people that, you know, physicians, uh, pharmacists, technicians, individuals that, means so much to the community. Uh, and you mentioned your 
your passion for lifelong learning. So kind of like, what's next? Because there's a lot coming up. And I'm not putting you on the spot because you mentioned as much as your competitors are also fairly close, I, I commend you guys for working so tightly together. We don't want to spill the beans, but you know, what's really, really the next step for you um, as you take the business to, the, to another level? Well, part of the EOS system was to develop is to develop a succession plan also, right? So I think what I want to do now is pass this, pass the torch. I, I guess that's where I'm in the process. Um, part of my role as visionary is to find the next visionary and start that process so the con company continue carry on. Um, nothing worse than is if I leave and then the company falls apart. Uh, hopefully that won't happen. If I do my job properly, that won't happen. So um, I keep saying, it's funny, I always said I, when I bought into the company, I had it put in there that we could retire at 55 if we wanted to. I didn't realize that was going to be 2055. Um, because uh, like I said, I, I, my wife, I keep saying, yeah, five more years. Um, my part, current partner, he goes, geez, I hope you're here longer than five years. My wife says five years is too long. So, um, but I, I, I don't see me stepping down in the next five years. So I continue to, like I say, I, my view is to start past, look for the next person to take over the visionary role. Um, I'll start fading myself out of the actual running of the company. But at the same time, I think I will start moving towards um, more functional medicine, get my functional medicine degree and um, continue to work in the practice, but more from a prescribing point of view than, a, than the running of a company point of view. Why is that? Because I think I had dinner with you maybe six years ago. And, and it was with me, you and Kathy and, and Kathy was like, I hope he's done soon. And I'm hearing like the polar opposite right now, which is amazing. So I can't, I'd love to hear from Kathy's perspective. Uh, yeah, you don't, you don't need that. So, <laughs> we should bring her on the podcast and be like, I know we yeah, should start our own series of podcasts, which is very different <laughs> and, and discuss the, uh, the marital side of, of the pharmacy owner. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, you want to keep it G-rated, so you maybe don't want her on there talking about me in retirement. So. Uh, you know, Darren, you mentioned one of your core values is being incredibly confident and, and also humble in the process. And I know you are. Uh, I've known you for 11 years, and there's nothing but that. But you need to also be commended for what you've done because it's truly amazing. Um, I've known you for 11 years, but this journey is much longer than that. Everything that you've done with PCCA since 1998 when you took over and, uh, and, and seeing you guys grow is just an unbelievable thing to witness. Uh, and I said you earned the title of uh, Canadian Compounding Pharmacist of the Year a few years ago. And I was scratching my head. I'm like, it was 2014. So it was already eight years. Um, and it feels like it was yesterday, but you know that was part of the work that you put in, the work that you you've done for your community, and and that carries over to today. So we're glad that you're still around, and we're glad that you you're not leaving anytime soon because it, it's it's awesome to work with you. Well, it's been our pleasure, and like I said, I I, I commend PCCA because um, I don't think I would have achieved what I've achieved without the support and the help of your company. Um, I think that you guys have done a commendable job and I've watched, like I say, I've watched you guys grow from a small little company to, you know, to your current size. And it, it, it's, and I, you guys are doing the right thing also. And that's why I continue to, like I say, be part and be, you know, support you guys as well as we do. And cause you guys supply all the support to me. And like I say, you know, honoring me with the, you know, compounding pharmacist of the year for Canada that year, 
was a totally big surprise. Like I was, I, I did not see that coming. So, um, you know, I, I do thank you guys for my, for that recognition. So. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you this October, barring any unforeseen circumstances, but I know seeing you every single year in October at our international seminar is a big deal. Um, I know it's a big deal for you too, because you mentioned that aspect of being a lifelong learner. You, you love the networking side of things too. Um, what are your thoughts on international? Because I know you're probably one of the few, I'm not going to say the few, the, the, there's a, a few of, of pharmacists and many pharmacists, in fact, that attend year after year after year. I know the last couple of years have been a bit difficult um, from the crossing of the border point of view. Uh, but what does international really mean to you? You know what? I've done all the learning. So I continue to do the learning, right? I've done it virtually. But what I really miss is the networking. Um, you know, you, you guys talked about doing, you know, international virtual and, you know, and I go, you know, to me, I get the education part. Yes. But it's, you know, it's keeping the relationships up with yourself, with Sebastian, with Nat, you know, it's all of you guys that I want to continue to, to learn from and have a relationship so that when we're talking, you're available. Like I say, you guys are always so accessible to me. It's just ridiculous how, how I, I'm sure you I annoy Seb more than anybody out there because I constantly at picking his brain. So I appreciate that. And that's what I find most about international is the ability, you know, to meet and you guys will put me in touch like with Renell or something like that. So, you know, I get to learn, all, get to meet the staff of PCCA. And again, I'm passing this on. So I now come with one, with one of my partners so that he can now start to take over this networking part of it. So it's all part of the secession, and I think international is, is the best format for that. Well, it's incredibly well said, and I know from Sebastian and I's point of view, we're looking forward to seeing you again, because it's been a while. Can't wait. Can't wait. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you know someone who's on the Oilers, who's got the cup, you could bring it down with you. We could all hold it above our head. We could all kiss it. You know, that sort of... I, I was I was just hoping it was going to be um, Edmonton and Penguins. I thought that I said to Mike before it started, those are the two dark horses, like two teams that could surprise and go somewhere. You know, I thought they were playing well. You guys had problems with Tristan Jari being hurt, so that didn't help you. So, well, you know what, Darren? I don't think we've ever discussed hockey on the podcast, but here we are. And yes, I'm a Penguins fan. And yes, they are out of the playoffs, but we won't timestamp it too much because when this comes out, we don't know what's going to happen with the Oilers right now. No, nope, we don't. We don't. <laughs> we don't. But we hope that this is it for them. So, you know what, Darren? It, it, no, it, all we hope that this is just the beginning. All, yeah, we do. Best of luck to you because I know you're a season ticket holder as well. Thanks for doing this, Darren. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, your journey is a unique one, and I know it means a lot to compounding pharmacists out there. So thanks so much for doing it. Well, thank you guys again. I was, it's my pleasure, and I appreciate you wanting to even talk to me about it. So it's, it's, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't need an excuse to talk to you, but it's, it's great to see you as well. Thanks so much, Darren, and thanks for all of our listeners out there who had a chance to tune into this episode. As always, a reminder to follow us along on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at PCCRRX. And if don't, obviously, do not, for, do not forget to subscribe so that you do not miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this is Mike Delicio, and we'll talk to you soon.